This is Boring Money by Shridhar. Voiceover by Joel D'Souza. Baiju's is sued by its lenders. Then sues its lenders. Or how poetic justice can be found outside Shakespeare. Let's begin. Four years ago, I read an article in the Ken. Disclosure: I was later employed here. Titled "The Making of a Loan Crisis at Baiju's." The gist of the story was that Baiju's was an edtech doing phenomenally well, selling its digital courses to parents of young students. But these courses were expensive, and these parents were poor, so it was also selling them loans to buy these courses, only without telling them. Parents would expect a course which could be cancelled, but would end up with a loan which could not be cancelled. Three days ago, Baiju's went to court in New York. Here's the headline from TechCrunch: Baiju's sues predatory lenders on 1.2 billion dollar term loan, won't make further payments. Baiju's is a company that arguably made a business out of giving out predatory loans. Now it's sued its own lenders and accused them of being predatory. I'm not saying that this is poetic justice, but okay, scratch that. This is poetic justice. If Shakespeare were a finance writer, this is the kind of stuff he would come up with. Everyone wants to lend to Baiju's. In 2021, interest rates were low, loans were cheap, tech startups were doing great, edtech startups were crushing it. Baiju's, not want to be left behind, had raised a lot of money, but money was cheap, so it also wanted to borrow. It wanted a 500 million dollar loan from lenders in the U.S., which it wanted to use to acquire companies there. Instead, it ended up borrowing more than double, 1.2 billion dollars, because lenders practically wanted to throw money at this overachieving edtech startup in India. The way a term loan such as this works is: first, a company goes to an investment bank and asks for a loan; second, the bank takes this loan and syndicates it to investors. Everyone comes together in a room and negotiates the specifics of the loan, which can be quite complex, as we'll see. Third. The loan goes through and everyone's happy. Presumably, the company likes its lenders. The lenders like the company. Fourth, the original investors might sell the loans they own to other investors. The company is only talking to an administrative agent representing the lenders, so over time, it might not even know who its lenders are. In November 2021, prominent investment managers such as Blackstone, Fidelity, and GIC had gone overboard to lend money to Baiju's. By September 2022. Baiju's lenders were desperately selling their loans at a 36% discount on the principal. Today, Baiju's debt is at a 20% discount, which is also bad. It's likely that Blackstone, Fidelity, and other of the OG lenders aren't Baiju's lenders anymore. They've almost certainly sold off their loans at a loss. Better get paid something than get paid nothing. Dealers of the dead. If a company's debt is being sold at a 36% discount, it's because investors think that the company is unlikely to repay its loans. If you buy such a loan, you potentially stand to gain a lot because of the discount. But well, you might also just lose everything. If you're a regular investment management company like Blackstone, you don't want to invest in such a loan. Your investors gave you this money to get predictable returns. If they wanted risk, they'd ask you to buy stocks. You don't want to get into a fight with your borrower. If you feel like they will not pay you back, you take a loss, sell the loans, move on. If you're a distressed debt investor, your entire business is to buy such distressed loans from regular investment managers like Blackstone. You're going to get nasty borrowers who are unlikely to want to repay their loans, but that's okay because you're nasty too.
You spend less time on financial models, more in courts and around lawyers. You like to fight to get your money back. Sometimes you might lose, but the times that you win, you win big. They cover your losses and some more. Blackstone and others sold Baiju's loans in desperation, and they were almost certainly bought by distressed debt investors. We don't know who they are exactly, but Baiju's has indicated that one of them is Redwood Capital, a New York-based distressed debt investor. If you're a distressed debt investor, this is how it works. First, you get a loan for super cheap. Second, if the company repays its loan, great, you make a lot of money. Third, but the company isn't likely to repay, which is why you got the loan for cheap in the first place. Fourth, so it's in your best interest to not let the company die a slow death. Instead, you want to kill the company, quick. You take the company to court ASAP and take all the money that you're owed while it's still there. If the new investors waited, say, for a year and took Baiju's to court after a year it had actually defaulted on its repayments, there might not be any money left. Baiju's may have given all the money to Lionel Messi or maybe laundered it away someplace the lenders wouldn't find it. If you're a distressed debt investor, you want to get Baiju's to court and get the court to force it to do whatever it takes to pay you back. Last month, Baiju's new lenders sued Baiju's in the Delaware Court of Chancery. We'll get to the official reasons for this lawsuit in a bit, but what's important is that Baiju's was not being sued because it defaulted on a payment. It hadn't. It was being sued because the distressed debt investors expected to default sooner or later, and they would prefer dealing with it sooner rather than later. Lenders go for the kill. Usually, the finer details of corporate loans, such as Baiju's, aren't public. But thanks to the multiple lawsuits, we know quite a bit here. The loan was made to Baiju's US entity and it was secured with guarantees from multiple Baiju's companies. From Baiju's lawsuit this week against its creditors, which I will get to, here are the guarantors. First, Baiju's entities in India and Singapore. Second, Baiju's US and Singapore acquisitions, companies including Oros, Epic, Great Learning and Neuron. Third, White Hat India, Baiju's famous Indian acquisition. That's a lot of companies guaranteeing a loan. Baiju's Indian entity is the parent of all the other guarantor companies, so having it as a guarantor should be enough. I guess the rationale here was that it would be nice to have some non-Indian companies in the mix too. We do know how efficiently Indian courts work. Apart from Baiju's, the parent company itself, White Hat was the only other Indian company guaranteeing this loan. The problem was that White Hat itself, on paper, had negative net worth. It had probably taken loans of its own and did not have enough assets to cover them. In practice, this would be irrelevant because White Hat was owned by Baiju's and it would cover any of White Hat's liabilities. But apparently, RBI regulations require Indian companies with negative net worth to take its approval before guaranteeing a loan. So even though White Hat was a guarantor, the guarantee was meaningless until RBI granted its approval. Yeah, well, RBI didn't grant its approval. From the lawsuit, plaintiffs, borrower and lenders had a call on or around October 6, 2022 to discuss the White Hat Guarantee. In a good faith effort to negate any impact of the new regulations, plaintiffs and the borrower offered to move all assets out of White Hat India into other subsidiaries of the parent guarantor that are guarantors to the credit agreement or who are owned by guarantors of the credit agreement. 
lenders reject this proposal without justification. In October 2022, after Baiju's debt was already sold to the distressed debt investors, the company spoke to its lenders and informed them that it was unable to get RBI's approval for White Hat to be a guarantor. Instead, it offered to move White Hat's assets into other companies and then use those companies to guarantee the loan, which would really have been the same thing. But the lenders refused. Why? Continuing from the lawsuit, lenders subsequently asserted that an event of default under Section 8.1e of the credit agreement, an event of default, had occurred due to the failure to procure the White Hat guarantee. Oh, that's why. Baiju's lenders, distressed debt investors that wanted Baiju's dead ASAP, used the fact that White Hat couldn't be a guarantor of this loan to claim a default and use it as a reason to take Baiju's to court in the US. Honestly, I'm impressed. The White Hat guarantee was redundant to begin with, but the lenders had found an out and their official reason number one to take Baiju's to court. Oh, there's another thing. In June 2022, the Ken reported, disclosure, I once worked here, that Baiju's financials for 2021 had been held up by its auditors because of certain <coughs> creative accounting. By this time, Baiju's should have ideally filed even its 2022 financials. It was very late. From the lawsuit, the FY21 audit was delivered to the lenders on August 30th, 2022. It did not contain a going concern qualification or any similar qualifications about the parent guarantor's ability to continue into the future. However, the FY22 audit could not begin until the FY21 audit had been completed and the parent guarantor's business has continued to grow rapidly. Baiju's 2021 financials were held up because auditors weren't giving the company their go ahead. So, of course, its 2022 financials were held up as well. More from the lawsuit. On or around August 29, 2022, Sherman and Sterling LLP SNS Counsel for Glass sent a letter to Baiju's Alpha and Think and Learn requesting certain financial disclosures from plaintiffs and borrower and asserting that the failure to deliver this financial information was a breach of the credit agreement rather than actually suffering any damage from the delayed FY2022 audit lenders opportunistically used this unintentional and non-material delay to exert pressure on plaintiffs and the borrower to extract onerous economic concessions i love it Baiju's financials were delayed Its agreement with the original lenders said that the company must share its audited financials with them. Baiju's wasn't able to do that. The lenders found their official reason number two to take Baiju's to court. Baiju's sets up a defense. Before the lenders sued Baiju's last month, Baiju's tried its best to negotiate a deal. It gave the lenders an assurance of the company's financial health, gave them concessions worth tens of millions of dollars, and requested, pleaded. to take back their claims of Baiju's defaulting the lenders refused they asked for either the full principal back or two-thirds of it with an increment of 7% in the interest rate Baiju's of course said no at this point Baiju's knew that the lenders weren't going to negotiate realistically so it prepared its own defense from the lawsuit The credit agreement prohibits transfers or assignments of the lenders' interests in the term loans to disqualified lenders. The credit agreement includes in its definition of disqualified lender any person including an affiliate or approved fund of a lender whose primary activity is the trading or acquisition of distressed debt 
and those banks, financial institutions, and other persons separately identified by name on or before the syndication, which may be updated from time to time. In its agreement with the original lenders, Baiju's had put a clause restricting its loan from being transferred to distressed debt investors. This is a risky clause to agree with because it's only these folks that can buy loans that turn sour, but the original lenders had gone with it. More from the lawsuit. On information and belief, the entire course of lenders' and defendants' bad faith conduct has been driven by the distressed debt lenders, who were never meant to have been lenders in the first place and who acted with the intent of causing harm to borrower and plaintiffs. Meanwhile, borrowers and plaintiffs were initially unaware that the lenders were in fact being controlled by distressed debt dealers and were therefore unable to take action to prevent their bad faith plan from being implemented. In its lawsuit last week, the crux of Baiju's argument is based on the fact that its loan is owned by distressed debt investors who were not eligible to be owning its debt in the first place. Also interesting is that Baiju's doesn't seem to know who these lenders are. In its post-lawsuit statement, Baiju's named Redwood as one of its lenders, but it's not named anywhere in the lawsuit. Now what? If push comes to shove, does Baiju's have the cash to pay off its lenders? Last month, Baiju's transferred $500 million out of its US entity. The lenders had filed their lawsuit and there was a chance the court would freeze Baiju's US entity's assets, so this was a precautionary move. So Baiju's has this $500 million, but that seems about it. Baiju's has been in the news saying that it's trying to raise $700 million to pay off its debt. Yeah, between the horrible edtech market and the colourful lawsuits Baiju's is in, Good luck with getting investors to donate their money to Baiju's. But, of course, Baiju's is now suing its lenders too. It does have an agreement that says that its debt can't be held by distressed debt investors. So it's not a frivolous suit. Can Baiju's win? Sure, it would still have to pay its debt eventually, and it's not straightforward. There are probably tens or even hundreds of lenders. It's apparent that the distressed debt investors are the guiding force behind the lenders' lawsuit, but it's definitely not necessary that they form the majority of the lenders, in which case Baiju's whole lawsuit falls apart. The lenders are saying Baiju's defaulted by not keeping its part of the agreement, even though it had technically paid its dues. Baiju's is saying that the lenders shouldn't be the lenders in the first place and must be disqualified. We'll see who's right. Thank you for listening to Boring Money. Subscribe to BoringMoney.in to receive future posts directly in your inbox.